everybody. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the Interviews with Chris podcast. I am your host, Chris Tryon. For a little background and for those that don't know, Interviews with Chris originally started as a blog webzine that was made to document interviews I had done with bands I had either seen, opened up for, or simply digging at the moment. I took the webzine to the Xerox machine and started printing physical zines. Whether it was at a Kinko's or at the university library, I was that guy. Aligning and sorting the pages, stapling down the center, folding and passing them out to those who are even remotely interested. In this reincarnation, Interviews with Chris is now a podcast. So I thank you for sparing your ears during your morning drive to work, your afternoon walk with your dog, maybe even a yoga session. Not sure what you're doing, but I really appreciate you tuning in and listening. Today is a special day because it's our very first episode. I have a lot to prove here, so try and cut me a little slack. No, but really, today's a special day because I'm interviewing Mike C. Fuentes. He's not only my great friend, but the drummer of Mijas and the guitarist of Pris. Mijas being from my hometown of El Paso, Texas, and Pris from the neighboring city of Las Cruces, New Mexico. His music rules, but his energy while playing live is something else. He's this bearded punk rock cannonball that blasts you in the chest from the very beginning of his set. I mean, I'd love to see him in like a mariachi band, or maybe like an R&B band, because I'm certain I lose calories just watching Mike play live regardless of what type of music he plays. He bleeds passion, and he plays every note like it may be his last. Besides being a total ripper in the music world, he's also a kick-flipping, board-sliding movie connoisseur, so I'll definitely be talking about skateboarding and movies along the way. Super solid guy, and an absolute pleasure to speak to. So happy we were able to do this interview. Here's my conversation with Mike. Hey, Mike. How's it going, man? Hey, Chris. Doing great with uh, current circumstances. Yeah, we're definitely living in some crazy times, but I appreciate you being able to take part in this interview. Yeah, dude. It's an absolute honor to be first guest. I'm excited. Either I'm gaining a lot of followers or potentially not getting any. Yeah. How's your day been? It's been super mellow. It's it's the weekend. Uh, Maya and I are both working from home right now, but we do totally cherish the weekends to make sure we don't do any work. Um, but yeah, it's been mellow just hanging out with the dog. Uh, we did a walk. Normally me and the dog will skate around the neighborhood, but today we just did a walk right before the sunset. It was, it was nice. I missed those sunsets. How was it? Oh, it was awesome. El Paso, Texas sunsets are uh, irreplaceable. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of dog walking myself. That's usually a part of my routine. Um, for instance, what I did today. I listened to some ZZ Top, some Black Flag, some Phil Collins, Walk the Dog, and I actually watched a movie today. I saw A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Have you seen that by any chance? You know what? I have not seen that. I know it's uh, an international film, right? Yeah, it's really good, and it's completely unrelated to us doing the interview today, but it kind of has a little bit of skateboarding in it. 
Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? By yeah, any yeah. Chance? Yeah, I, I've seen a few stills. Yeah, it's a really great film. It's a film where it's based in an Iranian city, and there's this female skateboarding Dracula that pretty much terrorizes men that mistreat women. And it's it's just a awesome film, black and white, super like art house, but um, foreign. I highly recommend it. Very cool. It's so obviously, there's just so much to talk about, but I'm going to try and cover as much ground as possible. What have you been listening to, reading, watching these days? Well, um, you know, having this whole quarantine situation go on has really opened up a lot of time to uh, check out some books that I've had on the shelf that I've been waiting for, um, you know, listen to music, organize records, organize my books. So as far as listening goes, I know today I listened to Echo and the Bunnymen, Crocodiles, uh, Side A and Side B while making breakfast. Um, Great band. Yeah, definitely. I've been listening to them. I've been on a huge Napalm Death kick. Napalm Death is awesome. You know, I had the pleasure of seeing them um, in Albuquerque around four years ago with with the, the Melvins. Locust. Oh no, I I just uh, I was about to just make up something. I was about to say the <laughs> Locust, which is totally untrue. It was with exactly what you had said: the Melvins and Melt Banana. I get the Locust and Melt Banana. Um, I don't associate, I mean, I obviously associate them, but they did that split and right. I usually just think one goes with the other, but yeah, that was the first time I actually saw Melt Banana and Napalm Death and it was incredible. That's awesome. I'm super bummed I missed that show. I knew exactly what you were talking about when you were saying it. Uh, I've seen Melt Banana and the Melvins, but Napalm Death has still eluded me. But I I love their 90s death metal kind of stuff. The grindcore and crusty stuff is great too, but I think they're really shining death metal. Yeah, they rule. You know, I mean, there's the classic album Scum. Yeah. That's pretty much like one of their uh, most acclaimed ones. There is one I've always listened to. Um, is it Apex Predator? I forgot what the title of that album is, but it's super good. You know which one I'm talking about by any chance? I don't think I've made it that far yet. It's like uh, the album cover is like a package of meat, if I'm not mistaken, but it's super good. Definitely more along the lines of like death metal. It came out. Mm, I'm not. It's hard for me to say. Maybe like 2013, 2014. Yeah, I'm working my way through the discography, really trying to break it down, really listen to it. So right now I'm at a fear, emptiness, and despair, and I've been heavily rotating that one. Yeah, don't don't quote me on the dates or the times, but that album in particular is super awesome. I I picked it up when I when I saw that show. Nice. But on the topic of like hearing bands, there's it's completely unrelated to the interview that we're doing today. But I was thinking about ZZ Top, and for the majority of our friendship, you've usually have had a pretty long beard. Yeah, it's true. Do you know do you know where I'm going with this question or uh, this story here? Uh no, actually I have no clue. I'm just dying to know if you've ever thought of being Billy Gibbons for Halloween. For Halloween? You know what? That's never crossed my mind ever. And I mean if if I were to dress up as a ZZ Top character it'd be Dusty Hill. Uh I say character like it's they're they're people, you know. Uh but I dress up like Dusty Hill just so I could say I'm related to Hank Hill in King of the Hill. Yeah, Dusty has one of my favorite bass tones. I was able to see ZZ Top in Albuquerque a couple of years ago. 
um, more like around four years ago, and it was at a casino, and they were incredible. It's one of those bands that you're just completely blown away by their musicianship, their tone, just the, the show itself. You know, it's just larger than life. Yeah, definitely. Their riffs are huge. Yeah, they're completely, they blew my mind when I saw them. But I was just, honestly, when I was listening today to uh, Tres Hombres, I was thinking, man, I would love to see Mike driving down Dyer Street in Northeast El Paso in like a blinged out (laughs) Mazda Miata. You know, that's all I could think of. That definitely sounds like my shit. Will you consider maybe perhaps doing it? Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I, honestly, we, I, Maya and I do a lot of costumes for like conventions or Halloween. And, uh, I, I try to base my costume around what my facial hair is at the time or what I want to do with it. So it's, Hey man, in a world full of possibilities, that's definitely one of them. Well, I can't wait. I know that you love horror movies and I know that Halloween is a really big thing for you. So I'm Super excited to see whatever you're going to be. Past couple of years, I've been Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men and, and Ace Ventura. You've nailed it. Nailed it every time. Every year, you and Jazz come through with amazing costumes. Appreciate it. Usually, she's the one that does all the art direction. I just have to be my dumb self. <laughs> but again, there's a lot to talk about here. For those that don't know, we go way back. Uh, Music is uh, pretty much our bond that has kind of, um, I don't want to say formulated our our friendship because it's gone beyond that, but that's kind of how it started. I'm pretty sure I remember exactly when we first met. Otherwise, if I don't, I'm, I'm a pretty bad friend. But before you tell me when and where it was, do you have a pretty good idea of when and where it was? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want me to say first or do you want to go and see who's wrong? I want to I want to go so you could pretty much just like decimate me if I'm wrong. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm pretty sure it was sometime maybe around summer or, or fall of 2009 and we had to play a show at a place called Lips Lounge. It was on Stannon in Central El Paso. I was in a two-piece band called DRB way back in the day it was just me on bass and a drummer and the closest thing i could compare it to is like death from above mixed with just chaotic melodic weirdness but we had play we were playing with one of your old bands bat caves and i think that's how we initially first met yeah you're absolutely right i remember that show very distinctly uh i remember because it was a night of just two-piece bands Wow, I so, totally forgot about that. Yeah, I every, had I wow, thanks for yeah, pulling yeah. me back into into the past. I now I'm starting to remember a little bit more. Do you remember what the other bands were? You know what? I don't. Honestly, that's as far as it goes. But uh, I have a flyer somewhere because a flyer has two people on it. It was in black and white like most flyers are. Um but I do remember that it was a night of just two-piece bands and we were both on it, and that's where we met. And I remember uh, exactly what I said to you because I didn't really think it through, and I felt that if I had the chance to talk more, I could have elaborated, and it would have made more sense. And I remember thinking after I left, God, I said something so dumb, and now this dude that I'm never going to see again is going to walk home and go, 
Oh, what a doofus. Do you remember what I said by chance? I don't, but I you're sa- definitely not a doofus. <laughs> I said that you guys reminded me of a drum and bass Beach Boys. Yeah, um, man, that is really putting us on a pedestal where <laughs> we're just, we were ants, you know? But I, <laughs> hey, that's really nice of you to, to say that. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. I think back then, being in a band, I was just creating all these riffs and I didn't really know how to create a song. You know, you have all these cool riffs and you just slam them together. I think that's what I was doing when I was younger. And I honestly probably I'm still doing it to this day. But back then it was more of a, hey, I'm just going to play a bunch of pedals, play some crazy stuff, yell into a mic and hopefully somebody likes it. And hey, that's cool, too, you know. Um, But hey, dang, I I like the Beach Boys. But yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't even know where to go from there. But yeah, um, if somebody were to listen to it, they'd be like, wow, it's like Beach Boys like sped up like times 10 and they don't know how to play their instrument. <laughs> Singing's off key, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. But kind of to swoop into you knowing me, you obviously know that I love asking random questions. Would you rather just overall silliness at times. So I've got something called the random round. You're familiar with it since I interviewed you in an actual printed zine that I used to put out. Just random off the wall questions derived from knowing you personally, uh, you know, as far as what your interests are and doing a small criminal background check on you. (laughs) As a little bonus, we've got some of the followers on my Instagram page, the interviews with Chris that I've submitted some requests. So we'll be tackling those as well, but are you ready for it? Yeah, let's do it. Obviously skating is a big part of your life growing up. Which character did you play with most in Tony Hawk pro skater? Oh, Jamie Thomas. That's a good one. I was, um, rune rune Glyphberg. Nice. I would just do complete off the wall tricks and then just do like Christ air to Smith grind manual to another Christ air. I just, it, it was just me doing the wildest tricks all the time. And I think we always joke. I obviously am not a very good skater. I love skate culture, but these days it's almost as if a lot of these tricks on the first Tony Hawk pro skater are coming to life right now. What we thought was insane is now being done by, like 10 year olds that, you know, can do 360 flips at the blink of an eye. Right. And into a manual and then coming off a grind. Like it's, it's pretty wild where skateboarding is right now. It's, it's jaw dropping having been in it for so long and kind of seen the waves and the groups of locals and, you know, come and go and where it is now, even just locally in El Paso, like it's insane. Like I know so many people that are assassins on it. And I just think, wow, when I was 21, I could never have thought of doing something like that on a skateboard or even 16, you know? Yeah. I remember a couple, uh, not even a couple of years ago, it must've been six years ago or so. I went to a skate park just for fun, you know, just to cruise around Ollie and just, uh, enjoy the environment of being there. And, and a 10 year old kid, he just had finished doing like a kick flip to nose blunt slide. And he comes up and he's like, Hey, you want to play skate? I, I think I just walked off, you know, with my skateboard and went to my car because, <laughs> you know, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but it was like, Whoa, kids are getting really advanced. Yeah. 
another random one here. You're in a tag team style cage match. Who are you picking as your partner, Danzig or Iggy Pop? And both of them are in their prime. Dispel any sort of bad images or any sort of memes where they're just, you know, Danzig's <laughs> carrying out a bunch of donuts in a grocery store. Right. Well, I mean, Danzig 93, 94 was pretty, pretty like beefy. And I think he's got like a black belt in something. I don't even know. I don't want to say what, cause I don't want to be mistaken, but I mean, he also got punched out by that dude from the Northside Kings. And I think Iggy pop is endless energy. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm going to be real. I would 100% go with Iggy pop. I think, uh, our, our fighting styles, if if that's what we're going to call it, uh, complement each other rather than... Your energies are similar, too. I mean, I you're kind of like a Mexican Iggy Pop. I'll, I'll take it, but uh, I'll humbly accept that. That's really sweet. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 w- I wouldn't say that, but I would definitely take Iggy Pop to be my tag team partner against whoever. Cage okay. match. No rules. I, I like that. Um this this might I'm not trying to make this a little bit weird here, but I'm assuming that you're wearing pants. What do you have in your pockets? You're right. Let me see. Um, you know what? I all I have is an abominable electronics uh, guitar pick. That's it. Okay. Okay. So you're not very resourceful. No, um, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, what can't you absolutely leave home without? Typically, um, I, you know what? I'll be real. I'm I'm that dude. I I need to leave home with my cell phone. If I forget it and I'm a block away, I'm gonna come back. I'm the same way. You know, if it's my keys, obviously, or my phone, I'm I'm going back. You know, it's just absolutely necessary these days. You just never know what's gonna happen. Not to be the type of guy that's like glued to his cell phone all the time, but if it's like, well. I'm five minutes out. I'll, I'll go back and get it. Right. And but pants. At the, yeah, but at the same time, it's <laughs> nice to, hey, if you're just not going to use it for a couple of hours or five hours, six hours, or however long in the day, you know, that that's totally cool too. Yeah. Swinging around to some of these random questions here. Obviously, you love movies. Um, you even have done some hosting at your local Alamo Draft House. So I'm going to definitely... It was a given that I was going to spr- sprinkle some of these questions in there. What's a m- movie you recommend to scare the living daylights out of someone? Oh my God. Uh... Like, let's say my friend, he does not like horror movies and I want to get him back. You know, I want him to soil himself or something like that. <laughs> what, 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 would you, what would you pick? You know what? I... That that's a tough one because I mean it I think it'd be easy to say one of these really like like torture porn or like terrible I'm not gonna say terrible, but at least uh less uh I guess uh highbrow uh kind of gore films, uh which are entertaining in their own right, you know, they're cool if you if you dig that. But uh I feel that the scariest movie that I've ever seen that if someone told me to watch and I sat down is always going to be the exorcist. Um, sure. Classic. Yeah. Some folks might be rolling their eyes about it. Some folks might shrug and be like, Oh, I saw that. It ain't much. I saw it when I was a kid, but I think as you grow older, the themes of that movie 
hold a tighter grip around your neck. And as you watch, it's just, it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's hurting my stomach thinking about it now, you know, it's, uh, you know, concepts of, uh, religion, whether God exists, affirming that God exists and the devil exists. Um, the idea of growing old, uh, the idea of having loved ones that grow old. Um, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's the, it's about the uncontrollable. And I mean, I'm not trying to, to, you know, be the PR for this movie that came out 40 years ago, but I recommend it to anybody that wants to be, uh, have a good scare and think about it for a long time. Yeah. I think it all depends on, on who you are as a person. The scary movies where things are just like flying out of nowhere or they're slashers. I don't know the exact terms for the types of, um, horror films that there are, but the ones that kind of like challenge me and internally, for instance, Maybe a movie like The Witch. The cinematography is completely amazing. And just the casting, the acting, the environment. There wasn't too much where it was like, whoa, something's going to happen in this scene and it's just going to you know, scare, scare the bejesus out of me or something. It was more of a, after watching it, the whole thing through, I just sat on the couch and started thinking for like five minutes like, whoa, that's, that's pretty scary. You know, right. it wasn't more of it wasn't more of like, oh, whoa, like this person's head's gonna fly off, or this bat is gonna eat some dude's eyes, or or whatever. You know, I'm, obviously, uh, my stupid examples aren't uh, are showing that I'm not a master of horror, but that was a movie where I was like, whoa, you had to like think think about it at the end. Kind of, I don't know if you've seen Midsummer, but that's one I of have- those films where it's kind of like messed up. You know, it's obviously yeah, there's some weird. Um, disturbing parts in the film but I think it's like once you digest the whole thing you sit to yourself and maybe you're you know eating some dinner or you know preparing for you know the work day the following uh, morning and you're just like well that that is a pretty heavy movie yeah even like hereditary did you catch that one I have not but I heard that that one in general is is pretty pretty frightening yeah definitely I'd I would definitely recommend that. That's, uh, you know, I I read a lot of blogs and I, you know, I follow a lot of pages on Instagram and folks are always saying like, there's no good new modern horror or, you know, that at least used to be the case a few years ago that people would say that all the time. But, you know, stuff like The Witch, Hereditary, like these movies are are setting a standard from a whole new generation. And yeah, like like you said, the acting in The Witch is insane. The, the boy that plays Caleb, um... I, I wish I remember his name. I know his first name is Harvey, but the kid that plays Caleb, and normally I'm not a fan of child actors. I think child actors uh, <laughs> re- can't handle it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you, but, you obviously did a good job. I mean, if he was on yeah. my living room floor, I'd, I'd uh, you know, go go for a jog, run a couple of miles, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he's not there when I come back. Right. Yeah. But, right. um, yeah, I mean, I I like movies like, that are done by Argento or Fulci. So, and at times I don't really think that those are super scary. I just am usually more attracted by, by their soundtracks or the overall feel of, of the film. I don't go searching for, for the terror. You know, I think it's once I, I actually digest it, I start thinking about it and that's when it kind of gets a little spooky for me. Yeah, definitely. On the topic. uh, Oh, go ahead. 
I was going to say, if uh, a movie that's really attractive for the soundtrack is It Follows. Wonderful movie. Yeah, yeah. And I actually have the record as well. And yeah, really, you, really cool plot. Yeah. Do you have that first pressing, uh, that like, uh, like light blue? Like, Unfortunately uh, not. I think it's just plain old black. You know what? I'm snapping my fingers in the air, but it's still an amazing soundtrack that is a must own by a disaster piece, if I remember correctly. You know, I'm gonna have to re- I'm gonna listen to it tonight. But I, it's a, it's a great film. I think it's a good example of. I don't know what the budget of, what the budget of that like film was in particular, but mm-hmm. it seemed that it was more on like, on the indie level, and you know budgets weren't like overblown for it. And it was just like, wow, this is a really great film. Right. Another random one. Um, these are ones that I've concocted, and we're going to get to some of the ones that uh, your fans have have asked because they're dying to know. I'm sure they, <laughs> since they've been friends with you, they're like, this is the time. But here's my last one. Would you rather be friends with Harrison Ford in Blade Runner or Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones. Like, uh, easy. Uh, Blade Runner is my favorite movie of all time. But I think the character Deckard is kind of a jerk. Um, You know, I love Harrison Ford. I love the character. I love the book that it's based on by Philip K. Dick. But I mean, Indiana Jones, come on. Like I 100% will be first in line to be Short Round or Marion or anybody else that has been in one of his adventures. And I think the comparison between the two is in Blade Runner. If you're teaming up with Harrison Ford, I mean, thankfully, you'd be his friend. Otherwise, you're probably going to be hunted down. But if you're in Indiana Jones as his friend, you're more than likely looking to, instead of somebody hunting you down, you're probably joining the ride and trying to hunt down something for him. Right. Like, I don't know. If I was his friend when he was in Indiana Jones, we'd probably go to Egypt. I'd I'd learn some snake charming or something. I mean, Blade Runner... There wouldn't be anything good about being his friend in Blade Runner, I don't think. No, he likes being a loner. He even has uh, Edward James Olmos as Gaff uh, tries to work with him. And it's like, no, he's trying to be a loner. But I think if I were to work with Indiana Jones, I'd be first thing I would say is, hey, maybe this doesn't belong to a museum. Maybe we should give it to the people that, you know, that this is their land instead of trying to take it. But that's also during a different time. You'd have to change your glasses out. You'd probably have to get like a monocle or something. Yeah, totally. And shape my beard in a different way. That'd be hilarious. But now to the part that everybody's probably been wanting. These are questions that your fans have requested. I've protected their identities so you could still call them your friends. (laughs) No, I actually asked for their consent if I could go ahead and give them a shout out here. So we'll go through some of these here and then we'll get into more um, information based on your personal life and the bands that you've been in. But here's the first one here. Don't personally know this person, but um, Afternoon Delight. Uh, I'm just giving you a heads up, Mike. I don't know if they're trying to scam you, but their question is, what's your middle name? Oh, uh, no, they're not trying to scam me. That's my really, really good friend, Carla uh, of, gosh, over 15 years i'll say um out in the bay area uh if i could recall correctly she might have moved um but uh yeah uh my middle name is angel angel so 
There you go. Easy answer. Now the world knows. Your initials for your name equate to mas, which mas right. means more in Spanish. It's true. We need more Mike in our lives. <laughs> I'll, I'm trying my best. Okay. I've never, I've, you've told me at one point, but I mean, I just go by Mike C. Fuentes. Well, thank you, Afternoon Delight. Delightful question there. We've got Cindy from Pennsylvania. She asks, why did you stop asking me out on movie dates? <laughs> uh, I think Cindy might feel really bad because I don't <laughs> know anybody in Pennsylvania at all. I'm just kidding. It wasn't a Cindy. <laughs> it was actually Julio Pisana. Oh, classic. Uh, did you, you know guys what? ever go on movie dates? You know what? Julio and I were, there was a good while where we were checking out movies. If I knew something that he really liked was coming, I'd call him up or I'd text him and be like, hey, I know you like this. I know you're a fan or I know you're going to like this. Let's go. Uh, you know what? I need to do that because I only ever see Julio when he's on break from his from the tattoo shop he works at. And he's walking around downtown and I'm skating or something. Or, you know, we were at Monarch or at a show. And that's the only times I've seen him lately. So I definitely need to, once all this stuff is over, uh, reach out to him and take him out to a movie again. Yeah, and shout out to Julio, an extremely, uh, extremely talented artist. He goes by dot dot Julio. So if you got the chance, go ahead and follow him so you can see his art. It's been super awesome. Uh, whether he's been working with bands or now tattooing people, mm-hmm. help put out a zine uh, for him, and it's just I love his art. So thanks, Julio, and hopefully you guys go on a movie sometime soon. Yeah, shout uh, out Faro. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Julio. <laughs> Farouk, he asks if you'd rather be in Jane's Addiction or Red Hot Chili Peppers and why? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I, I would 100% rather be in Jane's Addiction uh, because uh, Perry Farrell's ener- life energy is great. Um, and I think that they're way more tolerable than Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, not to upset any fans out there of the red hot chili peppers but i definitely am not one of them so uh i would 100 percent be in jane's addiction i was hoping you'd say the chili peppers and you'd want to be anthony kiedis when he was in the californication video you know with or, like short hair and if if that's the case hair. i would be anthony kiedis in point break and that's it <laughs> yeah or have you seen or even the I don't know if you've seen the video for Fight Like a Brave. I saw it today and I was like, yeah, I could see Mike doing that. <laughs> I have not. No. Uh-uh. I... Check it out in your spare time. Um, a couple more here. Your bandmate in Pris, James Rivera. Worst recurring dream. Oh, my God. Uh, so shout out to James. He's amazing. One of my favorite uh, people I've ever gotten to be in a band with. He's an incredibly gifted guitar player. Um, let me see here. Uh, you know what? I always dream about an apartment complex that's fenced in, but the fence is like, I don't know, maybe a mile away from the complex. And then I'm on a highway driving past it. So I've probably dreamt, dreamt about that, uh, every couple of years since I was like five. Um, and then like a mix between like walking dead and David Lynch or something, something like that. Yeah. It's, it's always daytime when I'm driving by. Um, and then of course my second dream is basketball. Uh, I've always 
was terrible at sports growing up. And so I have a dream where it's a really important pass is being thrown at me and the ball just hits me in the face. And I always wake up when the ball hits me in the face. Um, and that's probably been since middle school, if not before. But those two, I dream pretty regularly. I challenge you to, once this quarantine is over, go to the basketball court and start you know, hitting some shots. I think it'll go away. Uh, maybe. Jerry and Albert always want to play basketball. So we, we've done that a few times, but I'm always kind of like sheepish about it. Now they know about my dream and they won't ask me again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't personally remember my dreams. I don't, I rarely remember them. I honestly, I honestly feel like Jason Bourne. Have you seen any of those movies before? I have. I've only seen the first one though. I have not seen them either in quite some time, but I don't think he remembers his dreams. And I guess I'm kind of like him, in, but I'm just not in shape and I could barely scale my backyard wall. <laughs> but yeah, um, a couple more here. Joseph with a Z, also known as Winston. This is not a, really a random question. It could be one that I'm actually going to go into a little bit later, but how has skateboarding changed your life? Uh, it's, it's completely changed. Well, I don't even, I don't know if it's changed it in that I don't know where I would be without it to begin with. Uh, I started skateboarding in 1999, uh, way before Winston was born. Uh, and it's through skateboarding that I've met everybody that I know now, like, like everybody, um, because it's gone through through music, like skateboarding led me to music and through music I've made countless friends, made countless acquaintances, gone to travel around the country a few times. And it's all because, uh, I wanted this wooden toy and I got it for my birthday, a target skateboard that I still have, uh, just the deck though. Um, and it's totally because of that, that I started a band that I started listening to punk rock that, uh, you know, that started me exploring my city, my town, uh, going to a couple towns over. Uh, so it's not that skateboarding changed my life and that it totally shaped my life. Yeah, that's a good way of viewing it. Maybe perhaps just like facilitated the way that you were able to enter different things, whether it was friendships or learning about music. Um, it's crazy how things like that um, shape you. I'll never forget when I got this, this is skateboarding, uh, DVD and I would just be watching it day in and day out. That soundtrack to this day is one of my favorite ones of all time, but it kind of shaped my way of, uh, looking at soundtracks and how it's queued up with, you know, a person stylistically. And it could even go on to other things, just like films in general. That's when I started thinking about soundtracks overall. But yeah, we're definitely going to be hitting more questions about skating. Just to wrap this up here, two more because there was there was a good amount of them. Um, cool. Eric Reed from Alabama Deathwalk. He asks, "What's your favorite meal while skating?" Meal? Uh, if you would have asked me when I was sixteen or seventeen, it was Circle K hot dogs, uh, hot Cheetos and cheese, and. Uh, probably a, a Sobe. That's what it was. Uh, definitely. If I was 16 to 19, that probably would have been the skate fuel. Um, 
now that's a recipe for an early death yeah definitely but that's that's what it was about i, I loved it. i mean if you're if you're eating it like every day you know which i basically was i mean i'd get out of school go skateboarding at five o'clock skate until we we're hungry go to circle k and do that um let's see here but now honestly it's terrible but uh i've a chipotle burrito totally hits the spot after skating all day okay good choice and eric if you're listening to this i hope you can you know do a nollie flip after eating one of those yeah definitely um, Farsh, this is the last one. Farsh asks, and I do not know what he means by this, surf or turf? Uh, I think he might mean food. Um, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say turf. As a vegan, my uh, seafood options are extremely limited. Uh, there's a, a seafood uh, restaurant in Seattle called No Bones that's all vegan. And, it, you know, it's really really good uh it is on the pricey side i highly recommend it if you've got some money time and you're out there but uh, you can't have that kind of thing every day or every week really so i'm gonna go with turf okay yeah i knew surf surf and turf is like a mix between of seafood and red meat if i'm not mistaken yeah but something I, like that yeah so i won't get too into this because i am obviously not too knowledgeable on uh, food like surf or turf but thanks everybody um if you're listening here for the people i'll be interviewing next if you want to ask um, them questions make sure to follow and um drop them in the drop the comments in the posts or i'll throw some sort of ig question story roping it back into your uh your roots what what was your earliest introduction to music um it's my parents. They, uh, both my parents were huge fans of music, but my dad, uh, as he would put it himself to this day is a heavy metal maniac. He, uh, you know, every weekend we would clean the house and he'd put on a record uh, we'd listen to queen Led Zeppelin, black Sabbath. Um, that's just, awesome. I just hear, I just grew up hearing, you know, these songs. I thought everybody did. I thought everybody like, listen to records and everybody knew who Led Zeppelin was. Everybody knew who Kiss was. So I'd go to school and talk about these bands and all the, a lot of kids had, would have no clue what I was talking about. And I remember Kiss was the first band that I knew all the band members' names and I knew like, you know, their uh, monikers. Uh, I knew all their songs. Um, Which one are you most like? I'm going to say uh, Ace Freely or Peter Chris. I, w- I was leaning towards Peter Chris. I'll take it. The cat. Yeah. And my, my drum solos are just as fire. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's a joke. <laughs> no, no. It, it, they are fire. But um, no, that that's so cool. Um, especially, you know, I, I would say listening to he- on the heavier side of music. Yeah. I mean, I remember hearing like... Uh, black sabbath and just as a kid just feeling like the weight of these riffs i didn't know how to put it in in that those kind of words you know i didn't really know what a riff was or a guitar lick but just feeling the weight of black sabbath songs and really not really knowing how to deal with it you know like uh the the titular track black sabbath uh has a real long kind of uh 
it's like, I don't know, something like eight minutes or something. And it's the same thing over and over. And Ozzy's telling this story of, you know, Satan pointing at him and, oh, it's the weight. It just brought me down as a kid and I loved it. Artists like Kiss were the ones that compelled you to, you know, be the rocker that you are today. But when, when did you exactly start your first band? Um, well, I remember, uh, in, in middle school, uh, I, I took guitar lessons, uh, cause my dad played guitar as long as I could remember. He always had an acoustic and electric in the house. Um, but I took guitar class because I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And at the end of the year, they did something called rock school. And, uh, we got to start bands within the class and we got to learn, you know, classic rock songs. And in eighth grade, we learned how to play, no, seventh grade, we learned how to play Bad to the Bone and some other uh, song, but we played Bad to the Bone and I played drums on it because I was infatuated with drums. I just loved the idea. I had a pair of drumsticks. I have no idea where I got them. And I had them taped up. They were more tape than stick because they had been broken so many times. And uh, I would just, I'd play on a pillow at home. I'd play, uh, you know, like as goofy as it sounds like walking from the bus stop home on like fences and whatever else. Um, but yeah, I remember learning how to play bad to the bone and I have a VHS tape of that performance somewhere. I might unearth a clip, uh, for you to put up on interviews with Chris Instagram or something for promotion. But, uh, um, that'd be awesome. I would love to see that. Yeah. Kind of tying in music and skateboarding all, all together. Did, did you say that skateboarding introduced you to the world of punk rock or was it the the other way around? Because now I know you had said you started skating in 99. So yeah. you were exposed to music at an earlier age. But would you say that like your interest in primarily punk rock bands was fueled by your interest in skateboarding or was it maybe the other way around? You know, um, I'm going to say the interest in skateboarding led to punk rock because it was middle school is a total whirlwind. Uh, that's when like, uh, you know, one of my friends gave me a, a cassette tape that had two no effects albums dubbed on it. So it was like, do you remember which ones those were? Yeah, it was side a was all punk and drublick and side B <laughs> was heavy petting. <laughs> awesome. And I think I was in, I remember the class he gave it to me. He gave me the tape in biology in eighth grade, not seventh grade, because I had a different teacher in seventh grade. But he gave me the cassette in eighth grade, and he said, like, oh, like, these bands are, this band is it. Like, and I remember in guitar class, he wanted to, because he was in the guitar class too, he wanted to cover uh, No Effects, but we, we did Bad to the Bone instead. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how th- how that vote came into question or if there even was a vote, but I remember him giving me that tape. And I, up to that point, everything that I had discovered by myself, I had taped off the radio. You know, like I was taping uh, off, uh, what's it, uh, Kiss FM. So I had cassettes that had everything. <laughs> Yeah. 
And now that you're older, you're still into skateboarding and punk rock. I've had the privilege of seeing you skate in person. You remind me of Jason Dill, Mike V, Jeremy Klein, just like raw and filled with style. And I've also seen you on videos. I've seen you on a couple of compound videos, Still Ill and Field Notes. Are you able to kind of comment on your involvement uh, with compound? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Compound is made by uh, some kids in the music scene that uh, grew up skateboarding, grew up playing punk rock, and they wanted to uh, make a clothing to reflect that. And so, um, yeah, I've known, uh, you know, some of the, the the main dudes in it since they were real young. You know, they'd go see my, my hardcore band play or I'd go see their bands play. And when they started, they said, hey, like, do you want to go skate with us? Do you want to, you know, hang out more? And sure enough, like, yeah, like they're all, they're all great. Everybody involved is awesome. Um, everyone's got a pretty clear vision. It's about skateboarding and having fun with your friends. It's awesome. Have you taken the title of skate dad? Um, very similar to the title of band dad. I'll say absolutely. Um, you know, there's, unofficial role i guess but uh you know i am the person that says hey we got to wake up at this time or hey we got to eat here or we got to check this out or you know time management same, same thing as a band dad you know what that life is for sure definitely i'm glad you're keeping them in check even the song <laughs> even the songs that you've used during your parts are awesome pissed jeans bathroom laughter and magruder guide uh bridge burner that Magruder grind track kind of reminds me of the part that Leo Romero, Matt Allen, and Braden Safransky have in This Is Skateboarding. Just like a brutal track in between two happier tracks, you know, between like The Cure and Jimi Hendrix. So I do applaud the the selection of music in it. It's definitely can be a gateway for some people that aren't really familiar with all the type of music that's out there. Yeah, definitely. And, and then, you know, it's it comes from what's playing in the van. It comes from what we're listening to. Uh, like for Piss Jeans, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Justin was over at my house, uh, a bunch of other friends, and uh, I, I said, you guys got to watch this music video. Like, it's so fun. You know, this band's so great. And uh, Justin, uh, the blown mind who filmed these, the, the, the videographer for these videos, um, said, hey, man, this song it fits you. Like it goes with you. It goes with your style and you're kind of skating. Like I want to use it. And I said, hell yeah, go for it. I like how you mentioned being in the van. I know that you like taking your bands out on the road. Um, the two bands that you're currently in from what I know is Mijas and Pris, two completely different sounds in two different cities. Mijas being in El Paso and Pris being in Las Cruces. And we'll go a little bit deeper into what you do in each of those bands, but can you tell us your first time being out on the road, what that was like? Any sort of uh, happy stories or some gruesome ones that made you question even wanting to be in a band in the first place? Uh, very first time, uh, probably can check all those boxes. Um, so very first time I got to go out of town and play, I was 17 and, uh, uh, Michael Graves, the uh, singer from the Misfits in the 90s, uh, was touring as a solo project. And I, I'm pretty sure by that point, we had already 
my, my old hardcore band, Hollowed Ground, we'd already opened for them here in El Paso maybe once or twice. But, you know, you know, being the kind of person that I am, I wanted more and I, I wanted to open the show in Tucson or in Phoenix. So um, they were playing a bar. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the bar. Uh, who knows if they're even still open, but, uh, they're playing a bar and, uh, you know, I caught wind of the show and I called probably every day for about two weeks asking if they needed an opener. Uh, I sent an email, I sent an electronic press kit and I didn't know really what an electronic press kit should have. I could barely Google it. I think I still had dial up at the time, but, um, yeah, so- your MySpace photo. I I definitely used MySpace photos of the band and, you know, I sent this out and, you know, actually, I don't even remember if I sent photos of the band. I I sent links to our music uh, downloads and I said, hey, you know, like we're fans. We like this music. Uh, I think we'd be great for the bill. And I called and I called and I called until finally um, I got a hold of somebody and they said, all right, you guys are on the bill, but you have to open and uh, we don't know if we can pay you. We'll see how the night goes. And it was great. It was awesome. So we loaded up uh, our singer's mom's Ford Bronco. I think it was like a 92 or 1990 Ford Bronco. And Broncos uh, are pretty small. <laughs> yeah, you guys are pretty scrunched up in there, I bet. Absolutely. Absolutely scrunched up with all the gear in it. Um, and it was uh, like bus seats. I don't even remember if it had seatbelts or not. But it was like bus style seats. And we loaded up this gray primer color Bronco and we headed out for Phoenix. Uh, I had no idea how far Phoenix was. Uh, it was like six hour drive, something like that. Uh, we get there, traffic's nuts, whole different city. Um, none of us had a smartphone. So we map quested how to get straight to the venue from our singer's house. Um, we got there and, you know, just in time for load in and the uh, promoter looks at us and says, are any of you guys 21? And I don't think any of us were at the time. And so he's sweating bullets because here he's got a band of a bunch of underage kids in a bar. And he's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. You guys have to hang out outside. And then when it's time for your set, you can play. And as soon as you're done, go back outside. And I was like, well, shit, man, we drove all this way. Uh, at least we get something. We get, we get to play the show. Um, we played the show. We went first at like, 7 30 p.m with the sun still out um but you know as people started arriving as you know tickets started getting ripped people started paying at the door uh we got a pretty decent crowd going and you know it was a lot of fun and they really liked our style and music and the live show that you know when the rest of the band started playing we got to stick around inside we got to hang out you know um myself and the singer being straight edge we we didn't really concern ourselves with anything going on in the bar, but you know, everybody else was pretty excited to be sticking around. I'll say that. Did you at least get any sort of weightlifting uh, tips from Michael Graves? Uh, no, absolutely not. I don't even think we got to talk to Michael Graves. I don't, I don't think we got to talk to anybody from the other bands, like any of the other bands, but you know, hanging out at the merch table, people who saw the show, like oh, they will, came by and bought a patch or a sticker. I don't even think we had shirts. Pretty sure we had buttons and patches and stickers and CDRs. But, you know, we talked to everybody at the merch table. Uh, when I'd go for water at the bar, I'd talk to everybody there and I'd say, you know, just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, happy to be out, out of town, you know, 17 years old inside of a bar with a bunch of cool people, perceived cool people anyway. The classic situation. But for your current bands that you have right now, Mijas, 
you're the drummer in that band and Pris, you are the second guitarist in that band. Both completely different sounds. In Mihas, I would say you guys kind of sound like Fiddler or maybe like a surfy Descendants. But when I say surf, not like Dick Dale. It's not like Jerry has some sort of Hawaiian shirt buttoned yeah. down. And, you know, with uh, you guys still have a good amount of reverb or vibrato there. But Pris, like you've mentioned, um, you guys kind of remind me of the Bronx. You know, you like to say uh, caveman riffs. Yeah, definitely. But how would you describe each of those bands um you know i despite being an english teacher i my vocabulary is so terrible i just say you know it's punk rock plain and simple somebody asked me oh well what kind of music is me i saw it's punk rock and then later on maybe even in the same conversation what kind of music is pris i'll say well it's punk rock um i guess just the ethos and the uh the concept the the lifestyle of of punk rock of booking your own shows of the DIY scene of, uh, you know, doing it all by yourself. Uh, it just reverberates through all of my bands and most of what I do in my life. And it's, it's punk rock, you know? So kind of like the same bucket, but just, um, extreme ends of the spectrum. Right. So jog my memory here. Uh, as far as Mihas goes, you started the band. You guys started the band in December of 2012, right? Right, exactly. And I spent last night listening to the majority of your discography, and I truly went down memory lane from listening to Later's Earth to some of your earliest demos to the self-titled Seven Inch I helped put out back in mm -hmm. 2016 to listening to Destination Earth Vacation. I've got to ask, what's next for Mihas? Um, well, we're working on, uh, a third album and, you know, before, uh, the pandemic here with COVID-19, we were planning to go into the studio with Wally from, uh, part-time. He's got a studio Another here. great band. If yeah, anybody's absolutely. listening, please check them out. Yeah. And Wally's just an amazing person. He's so kind and generous and, uh, you know, just a great drummer, great dude. Um, but you know, we had some time with him, uh, scheduled, um, later on, because, you know, we're working with, uh, uh, what is it? We're, we're, we're with everybody's schedule and work and all kinds of stuff. Uh, we had to kind of put plans for recording that third album on the side. And then, uh, you know, I actually already had the studio time booked. So I asked Wally, Hey, can Pris come in here? Because Pris has uh, enough for an album, but you know, we want to break that up into a couple seven inches or something. We'll see. Um, but, you know, we, I swapped the times out and, you know, that's one of the many virtues of being in two bands. Uh, but again, because of COVID-19 and the pandemic, uh, that's being shelved. But with Mijas, you know, third record is coming. Uh, we've got enough for an album and then some, uh, but it's quite different, you know. And I like to think that uh, Later's Earth and Destination Earth Vacation are quite different from each other, even though they are part of a trilogy unofficially. Um but, you know, we'll see the third album, uh, you know, one of the things that we're really excited about is, uh, you know, changing, you know, we've been a band for quite some time already and, you know, we've played hundreds of shows. Uh, we're excited for something new and something different, something to challenge us. Uh, you know, the power, the aggression still there, I'm sure. Uh, but it's coming out differently. And, um, hopefully by the time this podcast is out, we'll have, a a little, 
YouTube, Instagram video surprise for everybody to kind of show the direction we're going in. Well, I can't wait to hear it. And from what I understand, you're, you guys are doing this for the worms, right? Yeah, do it for the worms. Because that's what you guys call your the Mijas fans. Uh, yeah, and you know, I think it's fair to say we call everybody worms. We have a song called Worms, uh, unrelated, but uh, you know, worms are bad. Worms are great, and we love our worms. <laughs> gummy worms. Gummy worms. Yeah, I believe that I haven't had gummy worms in a while, but I I believe the trolley gummy worms are vegan. Don't quote me on that, internet. Please research. And as far as Pris goes, you're the guitarist in that band. How do you approach your role being in Mijas versus your role in Pris? Two types of music. I know you had said it's punk rock. And they're both definitely heavily charged with strong momentum and heavy parts in two different types of ways. But how would you look at each of your roles, you know, as far as playing bone crushing riffs and press. Um, you know, this is something I've actually thought of. Um, one of the things that's so bizarre and any drummer listening will tell you, um, other members of the band will, you know, they'll have a vision or they'll have a sound or a certain style in their head and they'll drum on their chests or they'll drum on their thighs and they'll say, uh, can you play a beat like this? Or, you know, uh, c- come in on the crash like this. Um, and as drummers, all drummers kind of not necessarily roll our eyes, but we, we know what the hell we're doing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to come through with a part and it's always not necessarily silly, but, um, it's always interesting to me when other band members will tell me what they want to hear come out of the drums. And, you know, I love challenges. I love, uh, collaboration, but it's always kind of interesting because I don't think drummers, uh, at least in my experience will tell any other member of the band, you know, oh, you should slap the bass this way, or oh, on that guitar, you should slide. Um, so whenever I'm playing the, the riffs or I'm playing guitar, I very seldom tell Bear uh, what to do or what kind of pattern. And I am very thankful that I have never drummed on my chest or thighs to express the kind of sound I want. But maybe I've got the drum vocabulary to to express it instead, and that comes out a different way that I'm subconsciously submerging. Can you please record yourself drumming on your chest? Yeah, here it is. That was for all those Pantera fans listening. (laughs) (laughs) And on the topic of where you're from, um, El Paso, Texas, Mijas is based out of El Paso, Texas. Pris is based out of Las Cruces, New Mexico. About a 40-minute, 45-minute drive do both bands alternate between playing in cities? I know that in Las Cruces, scene has died down a little bit from what we remember the train yard being mm-hmm. for you know six years ago. But would you say that you, the majority of your playing is done in El Paso, Texas? Yeah, I would say so. Um, Cru- Las Cruces does uh, once in a while, especially recently, has been trying to get more shows happening there you know there's a new crop of kids there's some new venues um but it's it's hard in las cruces it's um you know to quote uh i think it was one of the members of the zero boys that uh you know he's talking about the midwest but 
you know, when we're talking about El Paso Las Cruces, there's no stream to dive in. There's no, you know, mainstream to dive in. Here we have to dig the fucking well. Yeah, definitely. That usually happens with scenes when they die down. There's always going to typically be some resurgence if there's a solid community. And in Las Cruces, there's just so many talented artists and musicians, many that I personally know. So Absolutely. I'm sure there's going to be more activity. I know that the majority of it right now is in El Paso, but you commute to both cities, correct? Yeah, I'm, I live here in, in northeast El Paso, and uh, Las Cruces is just a hop, skip, and a jump away. Uh, depending on the workload of the week and schedules of other members, in Las Cruces, we do try to meet twice a week. We'll meet Wednesdays and Sundays, normally. Awesome. And once you guys are done with recording, whether it's Pris or Mijas, I'm assuming you'll, you're going to want to try and hit the road, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's always, always on my mind. Um, you know, because playing out of town is so much fun. Um, and like I said, my, my first out of town experience, I was 17 years old and, you know, I've had countless birthdays on the road. I remember turning 20 on the road. I remember turning, uh, 30 on the road. Um, just so many, uh, years just kind of out there and it's, it's a blast and it's, it's really difficult to envision, playing music and recording music and not hitting the road, you know, not sharing that with people in other cities and not getting to experience new things. It's, I can't separate the two things. Yeah. It's always memorable being on the road, whether it's completely awful or everything works out just as you've planned, but if everything worked out, (laughs) yeah, if everything were to work out exactly as you wanted, it wouldn't be called an adventure, right? Right. The moments that, where everything fell apart or the van was breaking down or, you know, gear was missing or the shows were completely awful. Those are some of the best memories and times of my life. Yeah. One thing, a couple of things before we wrap this up, I'd love to ask is I know that Pris, you guys got the band name from a character from Blade Runner. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. What about Mijas? How did you guys get your name there? Um, you know, it's depending on which band member or which former band member you talk to, they'll have a different story. Um, but I, I like the idea that, you know, um, one of the things I always said is like, hey, if you uh, see a flyer or a bill with a band called Mijas, you're going to show up expecting a bunch of cute girls and it's just going to be three really ugly dudes. Um, you know, that, that's a joke. I think Jerry and Albert are absolutely beautiful. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that joke ever hits, but, um, you know, one of the things is, you know, originally we were called Midas and our original singer guitar player, Omar, um, who left the band and we never, we, we decided to be a three piece. We never decided to get another guitar player or have yet to, uh, guess we're working on it this many years later, but he was so adamant about having the name, uh, Midas. He wanted it. He wanted that name. That's the name he wanted. And, you know, we, we pitched a couple things to like him. Like the and brake pads? Yes. Or, you know, we even had like a, I think Albert made up a graphic that was a, the Midas brake pads logo. And we were like, oh, it looks really 90s and we can make it like a shirt, uh, which I don't think we did because it's kind of silly. But what, you know, what isn't about, the, uh, you know, 
our current place in in music that isn't a little silly but um yeah so uh I, if i recall correctly we were loading in at a show maybe at black market or lowbrow and somebody walks up to us and it says oh you guys uh the meet meet us are you guys meet us mijas what are you all called again and you know jerry and albert and myself kind of look at each other and we say oh yeah we're mijas that's us and from that point on you know we decided you know just switch out one of those letters and we're like yeah mijas sounds great like that sounds like a lot of fun and it stuck yeah uh i I don't think you also added a letter yeah we did um we added the extra letter because when it was going to be midas i thought you know midas was kind of a, a dorky name um, and I wanted something kind of different, something unique about it. And, uh, you know, I said, well, why don't we do an extra letter? You know, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, around that time, a handful of bands already had extra letter. I think waves is one of them. They had an extra letter and we're like, Hey, that's, that's kind of cool. And, you know, we're, we're kind of inspired by what they're doing too. And let's, let's pick it up. Well, I loved seeing you guys grow as a band and, I think it's great that things are going well. And before we wrap up here, just want to say thanks, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time to do this interview. Yeah, absolute blast. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough for your involvement in the music scene and for, for being a great friend for so many years. Uh, real quick, before continuing to wrap up, uh, Mijas 100% started because of you and the boys. And that's not an understatement. Um, do you know how and why it's your fault? Why and how? Well, <laughs> I, w- I guess I'm pretty proud of it being my fault because I love you guys as a band. You guys are wonderful. I just remember there was a seven-inch show. It was that December of 2012. And from what I remember, you guys, uh, we had asked one of the other members of the band or you if you guys wanted to open up you guys decided to make a a band brand new you know completely different so i always thought that was awesome that there's always a community of friends that are willing to help out i've had to make some bands on the fly when uh touring bands coming through and there are no openers you know you just have to think on your feet and just go with the flow so i'm definitely grateful you guys made the band yeah, definitely. I mean, I it was uh, Bat Caves. Bat Caves, well, I was singing and playing drums in that band. Uh, and we had a show scheduled for the night after your show. Um, I asked the other member, Leslie, hey, uh, do you want to hop on this show also? Uh, and she didn't think it was so hot of an idea. And it really hit me like, well, if I sing two nights in a row, it's it's kind. Of, I might blow my voice out, you know, and it, it would be terrible for the second show and it'll be terrible for work. So I said, okay. And I said, hey, if I can get a band together in two weeks, can we still play the show? And sure enough, I reached out to uh, everybody that is still in Mijas, Jerry and Albert, and I reached out to Omar. Uh, We wrote, I want to say, four songs and learned the Cranberries' uh, dreams. And that was our set to, uh, to play your show. And I'm so incredibly thankful that we got to play that show and that we've gotten to still be a band this this many years after. And I'm incredibly thankful for your determination in making the band and your impeccable memory. I think <laughs> if there's some sort of El Paso punk rock uh, association, you should definitely be like the head historian because your memory is wonderful. I wouldn't really have 
remembered the majority of our particular encounters or experiences if you didn't bring them up to light to me right now. So definitely have to thank you for that. It's a seal trap up here for sure. A wonderful trap. And again, (laughs) thanks, Mike. And to all the people listening out there, thanks for tuning in. No problem. Thanks, everybody. There you go, everybody. For being the first episode, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you even got a couple of laughs in. I learned so much about Mike. Such a lovable guy, and he's immersed in so many cool things. So I'm really glad I was able to have this conversation. Heck, he even unearthed some memories I had forgotten about myself. Isn't that what this is all about? Good times. Again, I appreciate you tuning in. If you like what you're listening to, follow me on Instagram at Interviews with Chris, or keep up with me on interviewswithchris.com where you can subscribe to the show. Don't feel afraid to leave any sort of negative feedback. All feedback is welcome. And hey, if you really enjoy it, go ahead and subscribe and leave a positive review on iTunes. Thanks again, and I'll see you all next week.